It's the Conflab. It means an intimate or private discussion or conversation. So here we are again in the podcast studio. Thanks again uh, at Studio 6 Burley for accommodating the Conflab. And today I just thought we'd do something a little different as we're anchoring in. This is an episode with just me by myself. Um, and the topic today is an emerging identity. And so before we get into that, I just wanted to do a little bit of a behind the scenes uh, for you all. And so you get to understand the personalities that are behind the Conflab. And so when we talk about, you know, you all might think, oh, it's just Nath rambling on or Nath Cartledge with his uh, dropping his wisdom pearls, you might say, or or he's just full of shit, one or the other two, <laughs> whatever you like. I, it's not. It's not just me. There's a team behind me that make me sound good. Uh, or do I sound good? Um, yeah, I'm not sure. But they make me sound good, they make everything look good and they make it all comfortable to be able to do, for me to be able to follow this dream of of bringing to you guys everything that I know, everything that I'm learning and introducing to you to all some incredible diverse people over time. So I just want to introduce uh, probably the number one in charge of all things to do with uh, our businesses but also has really helped me get this project up off the ground and that's my daughter Mia. So welcome Mia. Thanks for having me. Uh, Mia is the um, a part owner in the Studio 6 and she's been a part of our businesses for the last year or so and has really, uh, you know, there's, I've just finished reading this book called The E-Myth and it's brilliant and it basically, I'm very entrepreneurial which is, people might think, oh, that's a really cool thing, you're an entrepreneur but you can't be an entrepreneur without a manager and I don't believe there's enough weight or enough acknowledgement given to that title of manager. So Mia's our manager in all things and she's made everything work. I was just like a, a solo business owner and my wife, Amanda, she ran all the accounts for things and she's incredible. Um, but nothing was growing until Mia came along. So give us a little uh, background on Mia. Wow. Bit of background. Uh, like how did you how did you get so good at what you do? That's a tough question. <laughs> I think I've always kind of had it in me for what I do. I've always kind of been a bit of a go-getter, fast learner, um, kind of driven for business. It's ever since I was probably a teenager, people would ask me, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I'd always kind of come back. And, I don't know exactly what I want to do, but I know it's going to be in business. I know I want to be running teams and all those kind of things. Um, and I think throughout my my career after school, each role that I've had has kind of taught me the basis of what what it takes to run a business in the systems, in the background processes and all of those kinds of things that goes into running a business. So, yeah, does that answer the question? Yeah, in a way it does. Like it's good. It's, it actually fits with what we're talking today about an emerging identity. Um, you sort of knew early on where your creative gift was and that was 
working systems. Mm. And that can be just as powerful and beautiful and wonderful to be a part of as doing a nice painting or singing mm. a great song or something like that, but it looks different. It's just not acknowledged well enough. Yeah. I think my my career background, if we're going to go into that technical side, is of event management. So, you know, been in the event industry for five or so years. It's a high-pressure industry. And it's a high-pressure, it's a lot of work, it's, you know, attention to detail, every single T crossed, every single I dotted. So you learn all of those things, especially in the wedding industry, it's full on. So, yeah. Yeah, I needed needed that. When Mia first started uh, working with us, I don't think she works for us, I think we're a team. (laughs) And so it was really interesting because she said – she makes sure you've got to have every I dotted and every T crossed. And the funny thing is, the, after the second <laughs> week she started working for us, she's gone, why do you have all these Adobe accounts? <laughs> I had like five different Adobe accounts. I didn't know. And I was paying like a 1000 bucks a year for Adobe and I had no idea what I was doing. Every time I wanted to get into an Adobe thing, I had to sign up. And, and I know all of the logins, so… Yeah. And all the passwords, all yeah. the emails. Yeah, now I can't get past anything. <laughs> she runs it all. Well, thanks for being in for a few minutes and right. I just hope over time you guys get to see the picture that when you do chase a dream and when you do, do start emerging as yourself, it, it, you've got to take people on the ride. And actually the best way to do it, i found, is not just to take people on the ride but in, inspire them to be more who they're meant to be because – that actually pushes you forward anyway. So uh, looking forward to the next. However many years. Well, <laughs> let's not put an end to that. No. I'm looking forward no. to, you know, I'm so grateful for you, Mies, and um, it's a lot of fun doing this, especially when you're always in the room. You're, uh, like, a, you're like our sub-producer, aren't you? Like we have Tim. Yeah, I would call myself the podcast manager. Podcast probably. manager. Okay. Uh, PM, there you go. Yeah. Right. I just wanted to say a quick thank you to you. Yeah. Um for the opportunity, you took a bit of a uh, what's the word? Uh, Balls to the wall risk. Risk on me last year <laughs> <laughs> uh, with our with our software company that we have, Simply Click, um, and then everything that we've done since then has led us to this point. So yeah, it's really exciting. It's thrilling. Every day is a new day. There's <laughs> figuring things out as we go, which is bloody. Scary, but it's exciting yeah. at the same time. So, yes, yeah. thank no. you to you. You're welcome, love. You're welcome. <laughs> and I know it can sometimes feel like we're paddling upstream in a barbed wire canoe without a paddle, always trying to go upstream. <laughs> but you know what? It, I would rather be going upstream than downstream. I'd rather not just go with the flow of things. So, yeah. I'm glad you're by our side. And I know, mum and myself, we really appreciate you. And so, I'm just going to jump right in now to the subject. Um, so, today's subject is really about the emerging identity Uh, and I know that we've been talking about identity and people can get really confused about this whole subject and we we hear the word purpose quite a lot. We hear the word, you know, what's my purpose, why am I here and it can be confusing as well and I want to really dig down in this because this is my journey, okay, it's not, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a, a, a philosopher. I've never studied any sort of uh, counselling or understand it. I just know my journey. And for me to finally step into what I feel like I'm really designed for, 
uh, and act how I'm acting. I, I really feel like this is hopefully an answer for a lot of people. So I call it emerging identity because, you know, we search for our identity. You know, we, we've told if you're not you're not who you really are, go look for it, you know. Find out who you really are or all these other terminologies about finding your identity. And it's like you've got to go on a journey or a search to find it. And um, I don't believe this is actually the right way of looking at it. I actually believe that there's an identity that's emerging. There's a, there's a, it's always in us. So our purpose and our identity, it's, it's already there. And, and I did this for a long time. I, I would listen to people talk about identity and purpose and I'd be frustrated because I'd be trying to activate it in plenty of different roles. And, and as a very creative uh, thinker and someone that loves the human space, someone that loves to understand the diversity between people and someone that is very curious about why we're broken or why we're struggle with trauma or why we're happy or I'm, I'm such a curious person. So I would always go on this journey and start looking for it and try and peel back my own and it just hurt me so much more and maybe more confused. I got really like, oh, well, I'll give up on that. And I remember one point, it was 2018 and I was in India. Uh, it was actually before I went to India for the first time and I, I can't wait to unpackage our, our deep desire for India with you guys over the future too. So stay tuned and look, look forward to, the, to that. That's a, a really cool uh, plan that we have. But I remember getting to this point and I was in India just before I went to India where I really just gave up on dreams where I just I felt like I, f- I just felt dead. Um, I, I don't str- – I've never really struggled with mental health. I, I, I've, I've had gone through some anxieties and – I had plenty of things chucked my way, plenty of rocks chucked my way that I, you know, you've heard me say rocks turn into feathers. But I, I was at a point where I wasn't willing to give up on life. I just gave up on dreams. And it was almost like, oh, well, this is my lot. This is what I'll do for the rest of my life. And so it was almost like I gave up the search for it. You know, so, I, you know, I definitely do believe that your identity that who you really are, the creative self, created self is always in there because that's what I found. I found that what I did was I stopped doing, you know, I stopped chasing the identity and I stopped doing a lot of things other people were telling me I should do. And, and I sort of believe that's why we always have tension, you know. It also shows, it shows me why we have tension was because there's this innate pressure between what we feel we should be which is our identity, and a pressure to conform to the way other people or other things or society has created it for us to be. And it's this internal tension. And I don't want to put labels on this because I think it can I think it can end up well it did for me. It was depressive. It got it was I was really upset and lost. And I you know I've been I've got a very strong belief and I still maintain that belief, my, my, where my belief's at. But I have this really um, – it, it got depressive. It got to a point where I was just, you know, I don't don't know what to do about it. 
but I realize that there's an internal struggle between um, who I really am inside me that I didn't know properly and who I was shown, like, and I spoke about this in my last episode, solo episode, about the cultural identity and what society had put around me and, and, and these pictures of who they thought I was. And you, you just heard Mia say that she she's always felt like wasn't so much be involved in business, but she felt comfortable in systems. And that's creative. That's a special creative, you know. So she's always known that's been in there. And the best thing that we can do as a society is go, okay, great. How do we facilitate that to come out rather than, no, you know what? Forget about what you feel. I'm going to put you in this round hole, even though you're a square peg, or I'm going to, and we heard Ben, a couple of weeks ago, say about he felt like an eagle or, you know, people get different sorts of things going on. However, I want to talk more about how to deal with that, you know, how to, how to deal with that tension, how to let it go. And so rather than following cultures and environments, it's, it's important for us to get this thing out so we can actually help change the world. And, you know, you hear me say – that about changing the world and that can put a big picture in your heart or a big picture in your mind straight away oh yeah you're going to change the world how are you going to change the world well let me just say it like this changing the world um, means just loving people it means that's it it's it's you want to change the world go and be kind to someone pay for someone's coffee without them knowing or pay for their groceries or pay for their petrol or buy someone some groceries or, or do something, a random act of kindness, find a way of doing a random act of kindness as much as you possibly can and that's how you change the world. You know, we, we focus on what we don't have or we focus on, you know, like how can you actually display gratitude when all we're thinking about is getting the next best car or the next best thing or you can't. So when I say change the world, please understand I'm not like – we got to climb to the pinnacle of, of the top of things and start blah, blah, blah. No, that's bullshit. That's not what I mean. I actually mean when I say change the world is loving people out of a deep love for yourself and you can't do it without first knowing yourself and that's been my discovery. So how do we get there? Well, from my experience, I don't believe you need to find out who you are. I think the very first thing you need to find out is who you're not. I think that's the most important thing. It's not trying to go on a search of, I need to find my identity. It's understanding who your identity isn't. It's it's taking that completely away and going, well, like I, I hear this quite often, I'm a this. And, you know, I'm a screw up or... I'm fat or I'm a smoker or I'm, I drink too much. Or, and all, all you're doing is telling the creative identity what you think your identity is, which is – and we always go to this negative thing. So that's the very first thing we've got to drop. And all the other cultural stuff like oh, this might be really – now I, I absolutely believe that culture is, is such an important key uh, but it doesn't actually tell us. It's not our, our real selves because otherwise we'll stay in the people group where we're born in and that's not, 
that's not true. That's not the, that's not the right way to, to think about this. So without getting too confusing, I, I hope I'm, I'm explaining, we've got to stop the things that we aren't. And we so often align our mistakes with our identity. It's the first point that we've got to stop doing. We've got to stop identifying ourselves with our mistakes. You know, we all make them. And for a long time, like I smoked cigarettes, right, for, I don't know, for 30 odd years, I guess, not 30 years, 20 years, 20 years I was a smoker. And that's what it is. I was a smoker. And I so desperately wanted to give up smoking for so long and I was doing it for people, yeah. People wanted me to give up smoking. I remember my son Miles, he hated me smoking and um, he would hide my cigarettes and, and all sorts of stuff. And my wife hated it as well. The thing is, uh, until I got to a point where I went, well, I'm not a smoker. I just smoke cigarettes and I enjoy that. And it releases some some sort of pressure. I realized that, hey, I'm not a smoker. I'm just a person. I'm first and foremost a human being. So there's the baseline. The baseline is that we are human beings. We all are born the same way. And we'll all die the same way. So that's the baseline is first and foremost, you're a human being. That does stuff. That you're not a you're not a, a you're not a cricketer. You're a human being that plays cricket. You know, that's the first point of, of understanding your identity. And then and then stop doing these these other things like, for instance, yeah, just yeah, that's where we've got to actually make a shift is is like I am not this, I'm a human being created out of love for significance, created magnificently for a significant outcome and that's to change the world. So that's the baseline. And once we get to there, then we've got to start going, well, what do we love doing? You know, what, what are the things we love doing? And I think that history has shown us that that's always warred against this thing. It's always, there's always been this fight against this thing. You know, I remember looking at history and and my my surname is Cartledge. Well that actually came from we we're Anglo Saxon. We we're Scottish. And we're yet you never given a you your surname was always pronounced as your first name back then. And it's always had to do something with your vocation, like what you did. And our surname Cartledge uh, evolved from cartwheel because we were cartwheel makers. We made cartwheels and so huh, I've got plenty of that in school too. There's either kneecap or cartwheel, one of the two. <laughs> um, so but then it shows me that every person in that family were a cartwheel maker and I go, well, hang on, what if there was a, an incredible artist that w- got lost along the way? And this part of why I'm pushing down this this vein for the rest of my life is because I believe that everyone on this planet deserves the same opportunity as everybody else. And we've got a, an incredible uh, organisation that we're starting in India to help every impoverished person that we can possibly help be given the same opportunities as every other person on this planet. That's to come. And so why I say that is because society tells us if you're a farmer, then you're gonna your son's gonna be a farmer, and your next son's gonna be a farmer, and their son's gonna be farmers, and maybe we need to take it. And you know what? It, we could be great. It, that could be the case, but there's all sorts of different roles within being a farmer that we need to give opportunity to. Like you heard me before, like her one of 
one of her sisters is incredibly creative with floristry and singing and all this other stuff. And so to put her in a business suit and try and lock her down to an office to try and do admin would just about kill her because it's not the right thing to do. So, you know, I want to encourage you, the first thing we need to do is we need to recognise who we aren't. And then we need to hit the baseline of, okay, number one, I'm a human being created magnificently for significance to change the world. And I want to just go to a... I want to go to a, a story about a movie I've just recently watched. Uh, the movie was Father Stew, a great movie. I, I don't know where it was. I, it was a movie at the movies or something like that. Uh, called Father Stew. It had Mark Wahlberg in it. And <laughs> he joined the priesthood. He was a larrikin. He joined the priesthood to chase a girl, I think. And then he had this m- epiphany one day and that was it. He was going to be a priest and then he developed this disease where he was going to end up going to, going to die. And then there was another character in the movie, I can't remember the guy's name, that he was also a priest and he was jealous of Mark Wahlberg and everything he did and the opportunities he got. And I remember at one point uh, Mark Wahlberg talking to him or Father Stu, should I say, talking to him and he said, he shook his hand. He said, you're always meant to be a father, Stu. And he said, my parents pushed me to be this. And if you're a parent and you're hearing this and you've pushed your child to be something that maybe they're not, uh, you know, I'm going I'm to give yourself a break here. That, that's just pressure from parents and I'll show some grace for it. But it's never too late to change that. It, the most important thing you can ever do as a parent is to encourage a child to find themselves really well and really early by not by not putting pressure on who they who you think they should be. And and that's a really important thing. And my dad used to say to me, he said, I don't care, son, what you do. He said, you could be a street sweeper, but just be the best at it. And I agree with that. Like we've got to put excellence into that. So we put all these things around our world like like let's just say you were great at kicking a football. You kicked the football in a park one day and someone come along and said, oh, you're a great football. You can kick that football really well. And so because of that, you all of a sudden have an impression that you should be a football player. So you join a football team and off you go playing football and you end up the end of your football career and you feel empty, you feel lost, and you you feel like, that was your identity. It was, it was all about what you did rather than who you are inside. And so, you know, I, I would I would say that that's, that's part of the emerging identity. I hope you can feel what I'm saying today. I'd say the first thing is the first thing after you've established your baseline is don't let yourself down. And do what you say to yourself. You know, that's the biggest thing is your integrity and your character is really important. It's not for other people, it's for you. When you start stripping back all the things that that you do to find out who you are or find out who you're not, you'll start seeing you. You know, I know this is true of myself. I start When I stop doing the things that I thought were important from other people's perspective, Look, I'm telling you now, I was an approval addict for most of my life and I'm not, I'm not identifying as that. I'm not saying that's my identity at all. But because I couldn't find out who I was, the pressure on me to perform 
to get liked or get loved or, or be approved of or be accepted, it, it caused such an addiction for that in my own life that that's where I got to in India. I, I remember just feeling dead and it was because no matter how much approval I got, no matter how many times I jumped through somebody else's hoops to do what I thought they wanted me to do so therefore I would be accepted, it didn't lead to happiness. It did not lead to contentment at all. There was no inner peace. And no matter what my belief was, no matter how strong my faith was, it didn't change that. I had to find out who I wasn't. And I had to first be true to myself and be true to my own word to myself. And then I found I started emerging. You know, I started being able to say no. When I stopped answering to expectations, I started to emerge. When I started saying, no, this is not who I am, when I realised what my values were and I, and I hung on those things and then I was able to go, even though that looks attractive and looks like I should be doing that, I'm not doing it. There's nothing, there's not a amount of money in the world that will make me ever do things that aren't in alignment with myself. There's no, no amount of approval or validation from an external source that will ever, ever make me walk, walk against my values. In fact, my beautiful wife for my, for my birthday this year, she got me, I love tiger eyes. So she got me this necklace and on the back of it's engraved to stay in alignment with you and your values. And, and that's it. It sits against my chest. And I, I am hell bent on making sure that I stay in alignment so much that I want to inspire people. That's the most important thing they can ever do. It's like you're coming out of a cocoon. It's like, and you're not trying you're not ripping that cocoon away. It's 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 the metamorphosis of changing from a witchy grub to a butterfly. It's that metamorphosis, and it happens naturally. We got to stop being who we aren't. We got to stop doing the things that really aren't us it's to allow the real emergence of our beautiful self to come out. You know, we've gone probably a little bit over time. I've just got eight points that I want to share with you to start the process. Once you actually get to the baseline, number one, I'm a human being and I was designed magnificently for significance. They're the first two things. So here's some points that I use. Number one, gratitude. Gratitude is the thing that we show for what we have already in our world and what's going on today in the presence, in the present moment. We can't be grateful for something that's coming because it hasn't happened yet. So we need to remember that. Gratitude uh, is such an incredible tool. And I just finished reading uh, The Resilience Project. And um, i got to say, I can't even pronounce a Hugh Van Krugen. Hugh Van Krugen's, yeah, I think that's what his name is. Incredible. Like he's got a, a massive... Um, project that runs around Australia, New Zealand and probably some of the other places in the world and schools and sporting clubs and he uses a terminology, he uses a simple program, GEM, and it came from him meeting a little Indian boy by the name of Stanson and his sister Georgia, she went through anorexia nervosa and he, GEM is gratitude, empathy and mindfulness. So he does a really good explanation. So if you guys want to read something that's really good and it's going to help. I'll endorse that book. It's That's fantastic. Anyway, so gratitude, number one, exercise gratitude every day. Um, in, in probably three 
three different ways, like three different things that you can find that you're grateful for every day. Write it down. Number two is rest. Rest is such an important thing. We think rest is to stop work, but it actually isn't. Rest is really, I'll say it like this, rest is really being able to switch the mind off and be present with where you are. You'll be so much more effective. Solitude, number three, is a really important thing. I love being alone. I love my solitude. Um, and, you know, we're all opposite. We all have different things. Some people like less solitude than others. Like my beautiful wife, she loves my company all the time. And But I love solitude. So sometimes it can, you know, I've got to find it my own way. And so being alone and switching your brain off or being alone and allowing your brain to empty so I can switch off, finding solitude and peace. Number four, prayer or meditation, That's that'll bring us to mindfulness and being able to sit down and pray or meditate. You know, I love this. My, my coach, Brett Robbo, he sent me this little picture. Prayer is when we're talking to God. Meditation is when he's talking to us. And I love that. I love that fact that we get to this point in meditation where all of a sudden we just feel such at peace and we have such an inner peace. So I totally endorse meditation on a daily basis. Number five, develop a personal philosophy. This is something that's been given to me over the last couple of years. So I am my personal philosophy and I'm also emerging into it. It's the person that I look at in 12 months' time and go, I want to be more like that person. So what are the habits? And so that's what my personal philosophy is about. Number six, find out what your values are. So I, I think I might have said this in the first episode, but my values are helping others, number one. Number two, faith. Number three, courage. Number four, inspiration. Number five, it's simplicity. Number six, health. And number seven, fun. They're the top seven of my values. And so when I say I stay in alignment with them, every decision I make has got to align with those values. Does it help others? Does it show courage? Does it align with my faith? Is it going to be inspirational? Is it simple? Is it going to work towards my health? And is it fun? Number seven, learn how to say no. Well, this is a hard one. And I know everyone goes, yeah, I can say no. Stuff you, mate. I'm not doing that. Stick it up your ass. That's not saying no. Saying no is, is if this doesn't align with me and my emerging self and my, my values and my personal philosophy, I can't afford to say yes. I'm just going to say that again. Saying no is, is not because we want to be arrogant. Saying no is if this doesn't align with my personal philosophy and my values, I cannot afford to say yes. So that's saying no. And the last one is show empathy and compassion. In fact, when you break compassion down, it's actually the perfect blend of sympathy and empathy. And so showing compassion to all people in all walks of life, no matter what they're going through, we don't know what people's days like. You know, someone cuts you off in traffic, don't get the shits with them because you don't know what they're going through, you know. Like, yeah, I know, there's stupid drivers out there, I understand that. But I'm just giving you a small example, you know, someone pushes in line, they might be in a hurry, you don't know what happened to them 10 minutes ago. You have no idea. So rather than judging, show compassion, you know. And I, I go as far as, like, answer that little tag at your heart when you see someone and if there's a tag there, like if there's a little pull on your heart saying, Pay for their coffee. Do it. Do it because, yeah, okay, selfishly, it makes you feel good to be compassionate. But you never know how you're going to change someone's world and that's changing the world. That's it. They're the top eight things. I hope you guys all got something phenomenal out of it today. I was so stoked to be able to introduce Mia to you. 
We had a bit of fun in the podcast room today. And again, thanks Studio 6 for housing this. That was the end of another episode. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you've enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to rate, review and subscribe as this will help me get my message out to more people. If you've heard anything today that has resonated with you, please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Nath Cartledge. All the other ways to contact me will be in the show notes. I'd love to chat and hear your thoughts. Can't wait to Conflab next week. Thank you.